Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the New Cyber Frontier. My name is Sean Murray, and I have a very special guest and friend, a close close colleague, uh, Joseph Chung. Joseph is currently in the role of Chief Information Security Officer um, at a crypto software development company called Atomize LLC based out of Connecticut. Welcome. John, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Well, so Joseph, you know, you've uh, you've risen through the ranks of, of a lot of highly technical positions where um, you have the uh, aptitude to be able to diagnose things and see things from a perspective that uh, most people don't when it comes to the, the technical side. Uh, can you give us a little bit about your background? Um, we're going to hit on some of those areas that you've evolved to over the last five years, but I want to go back before that. Um, you know, where, where did Joseph Chung come from and, and you know, what brings you to uh, an IT cyber background? Sure. So, Sean, uh, as far as I can remember, and as for as long as I can remember, I've always been fascinated with information technology, software, hardware, technology in general. Uh, my family, my father specifically, had a very technical engineering background. And um, from a very young age, I'd always tinkered with computers. Uh, and when cell phones become became more and more prevalent, I started tinkering into those, uh, writing uh, jailbreak software and, and others like that. And um, in high school, I was part of the uh, this, um, the Cyber Patriot program that uh, Civil Air Patrol had just started to push out. And shortly after that, I actually was very fortunate enough to be a cadet at the U.S. Air Force Academy uh, just there in Colorado Springs. I was there just for a couple of years and became a contractor afterwards. But ultimately, my background primarily started off with computer science and math. And uh, did a little bit of work with some three-letter agencies, and uh, they, I guess, decided for me that I had a knack for security, uh, cybersecurity, and uh, information assurance. And thankfully, and my my background seemed to suit what what they wanted me to do, and that's how I merged into that field. And in the same regard, I, I spent a lot of time doing information technology, managed service providers, even doing a bit of a managed security service providers, MSSPs. So just in a nutshell, I started off uh, officially um, my career as a cadet at the Air Force Academy, became a contractor, and then spent several years working in commercial industry. I uh, worked for several large telecom, uh, telecom providers in the United States, doing some rather, rather cool projects. And um, the last three jobs, I effectively had been headhunted, going from one position to another. But like you said, I've been very fortunate, very, very blessed and talented to be able to rise through the ranks and gain different opportunities and add uh, knowledge and experience into my background. So, and uh, here I am working on the East Coast, never thought I'd work in commercial industry here. Uh, definitely a far cry from the Midwest in terms of its weather and people, but definitely glad to be out here um, trying new things and building cool things. 
Yeah, in, in it's part of the progression, especially uh, when you transition from that technical side into more of a leadership uh, role, and where you have to you know have strong communications and and articulate the value of information technology and cybersecurity. Uh, you know, we we say eighty percent of our business processes are automated, and so um, most people in the organization don't look at things that way. And so when you're when you're talking from that perspective, we're talking about risk, right? It's all about risk at the end of the day. And that's what the C-suite, that's what the board of directors and, and leadership wants to talk about. And so how do we translate the technical, highly technical piece into language that the, the board and other business unit leaders can understand so you can help better manage things, get the resources that you need, right? And so um, those that that's that progression from, I don't get to play as much as I used to, um, to now I get to lead and, and, and participate in strategic discussions for the organization. So I'd like to actually go back. You've got an interesting story that um, you've shared previously uh, regarding your time as a cadet. Um, at some point, you end up a cadet on Capitol Hill. Tell us about that story. Well, so first of all, uh, as a cadet, I had, uh, as the lowest ranking member as a poor degree or a freshman, for, uh, I was working with the Center of Innovation, which was a department, if you will, where the Homeland, Department of Homeland Security had a small office there, Center of Innovation. And I had worked with them on several different projects, uh, some of which went throughout the academy and others which garnered attention. And uh, without going into too much detail, because the, the programs are still active, of course, um, I had very unique opportunities to travel. Uh, and one place, was Cambridge, Massachusetts. So some of the products uh, and projects that I had worked on garnered enough attention where the commercial industry was involved. And as I'm sure many of your listeners are aware, a significant portion of the technological advancements that we see in the military and in the government sector come from commercial industry. And when commercial industry takes interest in some form of DOD or other three-letter uh, technology, it typically is an indicator that there is, at the very least, promise of profit or some sort of technological advancement. And so one of the products uh, that I had worked with uh, was a mix of augmented reality, machine learning, neural networks. And long story short, the product and the project that I was involved with became big enough where the likes of IBM and Intel were involved. And as a four degree, uh, I, I traveled to Cambridge, Mass and met with the commercial team here. And eventually that project uh, spun into an even larger program here uh, at the Air Force Academy. And they, they, they spent lots of time, they, they spent engineers, scientists, and researchers uh, to the Air Force Academy. And collectively, we worked on various programs that were ultimately funded by Homeland Security, but had shareholders and stakeholders uh, amongst other three and four letter agencies. And so, I got to brief several one and two star generals there at at, the, at a very young ripe age of 17 18 years old. So it should it should be noted that when I was at the academy I was one of the youngest there and even when I matriculated to be a third degree a sophomore at the Air Force Academy I was still younger than over 90% of the incoming four degree class. But definitely I I I was uh 
I worked hard enough at the academy from a research perspective where Homeland Security recognized that. And the Center of Innovation typically is uh, reserved for cadets in their second year, first year, so juniors and seniors. But through a series of events, which started with me helping the Commandant of Cadets, General uh, Clark at the time, who I believe is now the superintendent of the Air Force Academy, uh, I was involved in a, for lack of better terminology, search and rescue program that resulted in the uh, successful location of an asset at the time. And that launched me into the spotlight. And as a result, uh, I was directly referred to uh, the Center of Innovation and that particular department. And as far as I'm aware, I'm still the only four degree freshman cadet ever to be involved in, re in actual undergraduate research at the Air Force Academy uh, with, with that particular department. So that enlightens us to that level of technical prowess that you had at a very young age that, uh, you know, has helped you, um, you know, personally and professionally. Um, so, you know, post Air Force career, you're working on the, the defense uh, side and, and you dabbled in a little bit of entrepreneurship. Um, we're going to come right back after this message and we're going to continue our conversation with uh, Joseph Chung, currently the CEO or the CISO uh, at Atomize LLC. Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org. Welcome back, everybody, to the new Cyber Frontier. My name is Sean Murray. We have a special guest uh, all the way from Connecticut today, actually a local boy, but uh, has uh, taken up uh, residence in Connecticut, where he is the CISO of Atomize LLC. Welcome back, Joseph. Yeah, we were talking about um, a little bit of your, your, your technical background and, and some of the contributions you've made uh, at, at a younger age. Um, you know, post Air Force, um, you dabbled a little bit in in uh, the entrepreneur side, and you know, a young guy who's made millions and and then you know turned right back around and and learned some lessons. Why don't you share some of your um, some of your your background in that area? Sure. So I, I'm not even sure where to begin. Let, let me start with uh, Toggle Industries. So uh, correction. Uh, definitely not a local boy to Colorado. However, I've definitely, uh, uh, up until late last year, I'd spent roughly 10 years. But uh, I started a company in 2016, uh, Toggle Industries, LLC. Uh, the organization was founded around a very unique piece of intellectual property. And the mission and the vision of the organization evolved into not just encryption security, but more so into a managed security service provider. One of the issues that I identified in the industry was that um, there was the unfortunate 5,000. I believe it was a term coined um, through the, uh, the, the, the National Cybersecurity Center initially, talking about SMB, small and mid-sized businesses. A lot of organizations who have 5, 10, 20, maybe even a couple hundred uh, employees, they view security as an impediment. They view IT as a necessary evil. And 
the founding of Toggle Industries was uh, was founded with the idea of solving that particular issue, not only just educating organizations of the importance and the criticality of cybersecurity, but also helping the businesses to recognize how to do that in a way that was conducive to business. And so along that Toggle Industries, it also spun out several other uh, other entities, but from an entrepreneurial perspective, I was working with several different people, um, several different organizations. Uh, one organization would result in the founding of another organization. And essentially in 2016, I was, uh, I was uh, a shortlisted um, top three finalist for Young Entrepreneur of the Year in Colorado Springs. But ultimately, the, the, the point resides that uh, I, I very quickly realized I was what many would consider a serial entrepreneur. Um, the first company I'd started in Colorado Springs was a partnership uh, with several others and where we did secure software development and applications. And after that organization, um, I, I, I started working with another organization doing defense contracting. They, they leveraged some of the, uh, the understanding of my background within the Department of Defense. And uh, essentially, I established a CRADA, a Cooperative Research and Development Agreement, between the Air Force Academy and that organization, and even um, some of the some of the, uh, the other Air Force units doing um, tech transfer. Basically, they would the DoD would identify that they had um, a somewhat matured piece of technology, and then they would transfer it out to us as an organization or, or others who played in our field. We would improve the technology and then transfer it back to DOD. So this kind of goes a little bit back to what we were talking about when commercial entities recognize that there is interest within the DOD space, they like to do a little bit of tech transfer back and forth. And just to say, my, my entrepreneurial background doesn't just reside in technology. Uh, I, I've dabbled a lot in real estate. Uh, I actually uh, um, even dabbled within the 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 the, the online sales and retail markets. So a, a lot of my friends joke because uh, um, every once in a while they would come into my basement and they would see random products uh, to name game consoles and et cetera, et cetera. The way I see it is, or and I'm sorry, actually, let me even go back to that. They would even see uh, 3D printers sitting in the corner. So the way I see it is every hobby that I have ever spent time and effort in, I found some way, shape or form to make it so that the hobby would pay for itself and then some. So one of my very good friends introduced me to the world of off-roading. And I thought to myself, you know, this is a really expensive sport. How can I make it so that this sport pays for itself? And out of that was born a company that specifically specialized in off-road training, rescue and recovery, and et cetera, et cetera. So definitely have, have done different things there. And of course, right now with me working uh, back in crypto and finance, uh, I. I had worked with a very small group of, at the time, college students, and we created a company where all we did was mine cryptocurrency. This was back in 2012, 2013, when Bitcoin was only $50 to $100 at the time. We were mining Bitcoins, we were mining Ethereum, we were mining so many different currencies that are no longer around. But out of that, we, we had recognized that there was one, a factor to potentially make money, and two, it was super cool to say. So looking back at it now, eight, nine years, we look back and said, you know, if we had only held even a fraction of the Bitcoins that we had come across, we would all be multimillionaires, if not more. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, def definitely it's 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 good to to merge some of the entrepreneurial background with the engineering mindset. And of course, uh, now taking a look into the leadership perspective, taking risk into consideration. You know, Sean, you, you hit around on the head. 
especially in my current position, we have to take risk and we have to weigh the risk and the risk appetite of every particular business unit and take a look at the organizational mission. And from there, we have to make uh, uh, risk-based decisions. And that lends very, itself very much so back into my entrepreneurial spirit. So I definitely think that my background in that helps me on a day-to-day -day basis in my current position. So, Yeah, that's a good contribution there. Um, we're talking to Joseph Chung, CISO for Atomize uh, LLC, um, also uh, an entrepreneur with a, a couple of different uh, uh, companies, some cyber, some not cyber, some pay for itself, right? And so uh, we're going to actually take a short break and we're going to be right back with Joseph to finish things. Welcome back to the new Cyber Frontier. My name is Sean Murray. Our special guest today, uh, all the way out in Connecticut, is Joseph Chung. He's currently uh, the CISO at Atomize LLC. Um, you know, we've talked about your military background, some of your contributions technically there, um, some of the cool things that you've done. Um, you know, highly technical, and at some point you had to transition, um, especially as a business owner right? To be more of a, a managerial thinking uh, perspective. And in some of that, you know, in previous discussions that we've had um, is sometimes it was a struggle to walk away or not think of everything from a technical perspective. How did, how, how did you make that transition? Do you still struggle with it? You know, Sean, I, I think now is a really good time to say that uh, I failed my CISSP the first time. So when I sat for that exam, I walked in feeling very confident because at the time when I sat for it the first time, I was working a highly technical, highly engineering focused role. And my thought process was, okay, well, I need at least five years minimum in all these domains. I walked in and when I saw the questions, I was rattling off what I thought were the answers, probably spending 30 seconds each. And when I walked out, I, I was definitely disappointed to see that I had abysmally failed the exam. <laughs> so going from that and going through different certifications, such as your, uh, your CSISO course, which um, I'm very pleased to say I passed, it, it definitely triggered a, mind sh a mindset change. It was important for me to recognize that there is a time and place to be an engineer and there's a time and place to be a risk assessor. And in, in, in the year that passed from the first time that I sat for the CISCP to the second time, which I ultimately passed, uh, it, it was clear to me that thinking from a managerial perspective definitely and absolutely drives business decisions. It is definitely difficult because the majority of my career has been in a highly engineering and technical field. However, in my last position, uh, towards towards the second half of, of my time there, I merged and transitioned into a management role where not 
only was I looking at the technical capabilities of the platform in which I oversaw, but I also had to make recommendations to not only the customer, but also to upper management and help guide their decision-making process and say, okay, well, based off of what we understand for this particular role, looking into uh, the, the, uh, the risk tolerance and the risk appetite, this is what we should do based off of this risk assessment. And I think that is one of the reasons that I was selected for this current position as the CISO at Atomize. My role right now as a CISO blends a significant portion of understanding both qualitatively and quantitatively the risk tolerance and risk appetite of the organization, but also looking into the technical. I think one of the benefits that I have in this particular role is the fact that I do have a strong technical background, but I also have an understanding of how to make decisions, not from an engineering perspective, but from what is the best way to minimize, mitigate, or even eliminate risk for the organization? And what controls have to be applied in this particular sense? So to answer your last question, does it still, is it still a challenge? Absolutely. I think through and through, I'm, I'm a red-blooded engineer. And I, I have conversations with my colleagues and, uh, and, and, and the CTO's office. And every once in a while, we, we have the conversation of, okay, well, Joe, I'm going to take a step back. And sir, this is kind of what I'm seeing. I, I would like to see it from an engineering perspective, but from a risk perspective, this makes more sense. As opposed to the uh, the story, which I which I know you're very familiar with, Sean, where you have uh, an individual coming to the board asking for an obscene amount of money, and then the board asks, "Well, why 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 do you want this?" And then uh, me as a consultant, I'm sitting in the back and I'm, I'm watching this dialogue. Uh, the board asks um, this individual, "Why why do we why should we spend X dollars?" on this product. And then the individual responds with, well, I just thought it was really cool. <laughs> so I, I think I think coming from an engineering perspective and as well as taking it from a management perspective, it's it's important to weigh uh, the pros and cons. What is, what is the business justification? Does this add risk? Does it reduce risk? And if it adds risk, okay, well, does it fit within the risk tolerance of the organization? So yeah, it's it's still difficult, but ultimately, I think I think I am equipped to, at the very least, drive down the right path and make the best decision with the information presented to me. And that's that's the challenge, right? Is to have the correct information, enough information, and that's really what's relevant to your risk appetite, risk tolerance, right? Tolerance is the maximum, appetite is the range. And the more information you get, the easier it is to articulate what those requirements are. Um, sure. You know, just to circle back on on that conversation there, that, that little story, um, what was your contribution to that conversation? So <laughs> as soon as, as soon as the individual who was for lack of better terminology, being grilled, as soon as he said, well, I just thought it was really cool. I, I could not help myself but utter, huh. <laughs> and just sitting in the corner, the, the, the board of director looked at me and said, sir, do you have anything to contribute? <laughs> no, that was enough, right? <laughs> I, I, I said something to you the effect of, well, I'm not exactly sure how you can qualify, huh, in a risk assessment. So... <laughs> Yeah, but it, but it, it, to your point though, it, it has to come back to a business case, and uh, uh, oftentimes we will see those who are not technical um, look at a piece of technology or or something as look at that sexy tech, right? Well, what else? What is that 
sexy tech costs? What risks might it be introducing? What is the business case for that tech? How will it help me achieve my goals uh, aligned to my organizational strategy that will help the organization be successful uh, overall in, in the long run? And so that's the transition that we talk about that, that we need to make. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, we do have to remember we got to take off our technical hat. But sometimes it's important to put that back on, especially when the snake oil salesperson shows up, right? Hey, I'm going to do this and my product is going to do that. And, you know, it, it's easier when you have a technical background to go, hmm, how does that work exactly? What talks to what? And then that's where that technical background background uh, as a senior leader now provides a lot more value as opposed to wasting time by telling your team, well, evaluate this product, put it in a sandbox, tell me what it does, what it doesn't do. Um, if you can ask the right questions, you can save yourself some time and some some risk, right? Certainly, certainly. And I think what you said, talking about how do we map this particular product or this particular approach to the vision of the organization. I mean, as the CISO, and as I said at the very beginning, most organizations, thankfully mine doesn't see this, but most, most organizations